Welcome to Here She Stands, the podcast where Lutheran women from across Australia come together as a community, sharing stories and testifying to God's goodness. My name is Lexi and I'm a mama of four girls and the wife of a first-year pastoral student. And I'm Sonia, a Lutheran pastor's wife and mum of two kiddos. Together we have a desire to see each woman hold firm to the Word of God and say, Here I stand, I can do no other. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Here She Stands. Today, we are going to be talking to a very special guest, Tara. Now, uh, on episode 10, you heard from Ruby, the beautiful young teenager. And today, we are hearing from her mum. So, Tara, welcome. Thanks for having me. And I should have also said that you are also my pastor's wife. (laughs) Yes, lucky us. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So also a warm welcome to Sonia, my wonderful co-host. Hello, thank you. Nice to finally, uh, well, not meet you face to face, but <laughs> hear from you, Tara. Yes, it's going to be lovely to chat. Yes, it's taken, it's taken a few goes to get here. Um, yes, it has. <laughs> there's, there's been a lot going on in your life. <laughs> yes, and we've had to postpone your interview a couple of times. But, Understandably. Uh, but our listeners will I'm sure will hear all about what you've been up to (laughs) yeah so to begin with um we would love to know just a little bit more about where you came from and your story so where are you from uh, originally so I'm originally from South Australia uh my dad was a police officer so we moved around the state quite a bit but they ended up in Gawler just north of Adelaide and um, Sam is from the Air Peninsula, and we met through Lutheran Connections. And when I met him, he said that he was wanting to head to the what was the seminary to study. And so, yeah, we were married and we're in Adelaide for a little bit, um, but we took a break from the Sam and we spent five years up in Alice Springs, and the older two kids were born up there which was really lovely, yeah. And then when we headed back to Adelaide for a few years to finish Sam's studies and we've just spent 10 years in the Western Districts of Victoria in Sam's first parish there. And on this year we've been on a bit of an adventure. We said last year to the bishop that we'd like a bit of an adventure and we're happy to do some locum work. So we had four months of our long service leave at the beginning of the year. We travelled to WA and back again. And then in May, we moved down here to northern Tasmania, where Sam was the locum pastor, and he has just accepted the permanent call here. So that's exciting, wow. knowing that we're going to be staying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. I love that you just needed a bit of an adventure. So <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. great. So who is in your family? So there's well, me and my husband, Sam, and we've been married for nearly 20 years now. And we have three children. We have Johan, who is 16, Ruby, who is now 15. And we have a bonus baby, Ezra, who is three months old. Um, yes, a bit of a surprise. Admittedly, when we talked to the bishop about doing locum work or moving to Tasmania, we didn't know we were pregnant, <laughs> let alone everything else um, that has happened. So, yeah, it's been quite a year. <laughs> Yes. And um, when we interviewed Ruby, I can't remember what month it was, August, I think. Yeah, it might have been July, I think. So it's just before he was born. Yeah. Yeah, just before Mm. he was born. Mm. So I suppose in a way this could kind of be a part two. (laughs) Possibly. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure she'd be happy to chat to you again anyway. Yeah, that would be lovely. (laughs) So did you grow up Lutheran? 
So, yes, I did. Um, I'm very fortunate to have been grown up going to Lutheran churches. My, my maiden name is Kennedy, though, which is a bit Irish Catholic. And you know that Lutherans love to um, name you and place you in the family tree. So uh, we always got questions of what's a Kennedy doing in the Lutheran church, um, okay. funnily enough. But my mum does have a Lutheran maiden name and a very small branch. So we are connected somehow, but I don't have half as many relatives as Sam does. <laughs> <laughs> In the Lutheran Church, it's um yeah yeah he's got a very large extended family so yeah. yeah yeah so very fortunate to have grown up in the Lutheran Church. I do recall my dad doing adult confirmation um when I was a child he was a bit of a lapsed Catholic so that was something but hmm. I feel like I have learnt so much more being married to Sam and particularly since he's become a pastor about Lutheranism and theology and and things like that so it's a lifelong lifelong journey really isn't it. Yes. So your knowledge and understanding of Lutheranism has in a way grown together as he's studied and become a pastor and served. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And you're passing that down incredibly well to your children, especially <laughs> Ruby. Well, we try. Well, yeah, at the moment she's the only one that can talk. So <laughs> <laughs> So I would love to to just jump into the topic of your sons and the disabilities that they have and how you as a family nurture and love and care for them. Mm -hmm. So what exactly is Johan's and Ezra's condition? So the boys have a unique genetic condition. It's an unbalanced chromosomal translocation. Until Ezra was born, there was no one in the world that had this same condition as what Johan had. And now Ezra has it too. We'll probably save the biology lesson for another time. I could probably talk for hours about it. But mm -hmm. um, in our DNA, we have 23 pairs of chromosomes and they're numbered 1 to 22 and then there's the XX or XY chromosomes. Yeah. Um, the boys have a partial duplication of the long arm of chromosome 6 and a partial deletion of the long arm of chromosome 18. And it's that missing genetic material that they think is one that causes the disabilities. Okay. And how does this look for each of them? I know that Ezra is still only three months yeah. old. <laughs> yeah. So Johan at 16 has a severe intellectual disability and he's completely nonverbal and non-communicative. He does do a couple of signs and we have tried a lot of augmented communication over the years, but um, he's yeah, we're really stuck with a couple of signs and some purposeful vocalization, as we call it, like making noises. Yeah, his IQ is approximately eighteen months to two years of age, mm -hmm. um, so he's like a giant toddler. He's incontinent, and although he can walk and get around, he's got hypotonia, which is low muscle tone. Talipes, which is malformed feet. He's deaf. He has a cochlear implant, and a lot of other little physical issues as well. He's also very sensory seeking. He likes to chew things. At the moment, that's lots of non-food items, unfortunately. At church, yeah. <laughs> Taz had to save him from eating the, drinking the hand sanitizer. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and he's doing a few um, self-harming behaviours, like he picks his fingers until they bleed um, at the moment, so it's a bit rough. However, you know, he's generally fairly happy and healthy, apart from celiac disease and obstructive asthma. He's, yeah quite happy usually, which is pretty good. In Ezra, it's manifested slightly differently, even though it's the same. So at the 20-week scan, they picked up some heart and brain anomalies with Ezra, so which that means he had to be born in Melbourne and he had heart surgery at 16 hours old. So Sam and I rocked up here in May 
<laughs> and then at the end of July, we had to head to Melbourne and we had about a month there. Yeah. And thank God that it all went really well. So since then, we've discovered he's also deaf, but with the technology improving and the more powerful hearing aids available nowadays, um, we're hoping he can get by with those instead of needing the implant. Hmm. Um, He's also got the telepiece, so the mouth on feet, and he's showing signs of hypotonia and development delay. But as Lexi said, we, we cannot know the full extent of his intellectual limitations and other things until he's older. Yeah. Wow, it's incredible how every single tiny little part of our body is important, isn't it? All the little chromosomes and even just missing half of one can make such a difference. Yes, uh, yeah, absolutely, yep. (laughs) Yeah, so going back to when you found out about Johan's disabilities because I remember you telling me that when he was born you had no idea. It wasn't until a little bit later on. Yeah, that's right. What was that like for you and Sam finding out that your son had severe disabilities? It wasn't all finding out and one day we got this diagnosis and they told us what it meant. Um, It's been a very gradual process over the years. So he underwent genetic testing at 18 months old after continually failing development checks. And it was actually the week that I had Ruby in hospital. So we say that God gave us Ruby before we found out about Johan's issues. And we weren't sure what that would mean for him long term. And honestly, they, and by they I mean the medical establishment, they still can't tell us what that means long term. And as Sonny said, look, all these genes, they do know nowadays, you know, what some of the individual genes are responsible for, but there's a whole lot that we don't know about the genome. And so they, yeah, they just don't know. I feel in some ways that's a good thing as there's no limitations set upon him. Yeah. Or them and what we can push them to achieve. But in other ways, it's very frustrating not knowing. So yeah, Johan's diagnosis is probably why we didn't actively pursue more children until God made that decision for us. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, as I said, it, it was a gradual process. And so yeah, if the full extent really probably didn't hit us until he's hitting 12 or 13 years old and hitting puberty and not talking and not doing much at all and we're thinking okay we're really in this for the long term now it's unlikely um, he's going to improve anymore we felt a lot in the last few years particularly with trying all different types of communication devices that we've really hit the limit of his intellectual capabilities yeah which is sad but as Sam would say we need to learn to speak his language like yeah. He does try to communicate and it, it's not in a regular way. But, yeah, we, we need to try and speak his language. Hmm. What are some of the ways that he communicates? Uh, so we call it gross motor communication. So if he's hungry, he'll go and open the fridge <laughs> or <laughs> open the pantry. Um, he was helping himself to the fruit bowl, so that had to disappear. If he's bored, he'll get his iPad, which is locked, and pass it to us, like asking yeah. for it. Sometimes he does occasionally take himself into the toilet room. But, um, yeah, since since Ezra's been born, we've had a bit of a regression in some of those skills. Like a regular toddler, I suppose, to expect some of that when the new baby comes along. Um, so yeah, that's been a bit challenging over the past few months. Yeah. Does Johan interact with Ezra much? Surprisingly, no. And and honestly, this was one of the things I was worried about because he loves babies and Lexi can attest to it. <laughs> 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 loves and um 
he's such so loving but doesn't know the full extent of his own strength and so he tends to squeeze a bit hard um, when he gives people hugs so I was a bit worried that he was going to be continually you know attacking the baby but honestly at the moment he really couldn't give two hoots um <laughs> so um, I'm not sure if that's a good thing or not if we present Ezra to him he'll give him a bit of a kiss and occasional squeeze but he's not really approached him much at all so we're hoping that will change um and yeah. obviously Ezra's safety is something we'll have to look out for but yeah it's um surprisingly not what we expected yeah maybe maybe just having the a baby in the family 24 7 baby's kind of lost its sparkle I suppose <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. He, 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 we joked that when we first got back he sort of cut, kept looking at him like oh what this thing is still here <laughs> <laughs> where's its parents <laughs> yeah yeah he's gonna come and get this thing <laughs> I wonder if um in the future as Ezra gets older if having someone who's like him uh, in a little way yeah will really positively influence him yeah well we hope so and as the geneticists have said to us we have lived experience of this you know this is not our first rodeo we've done this before um so we're hoping that by picking up everything a lot earlier and starting early intervention earlier and knowing what we're doing really um as parents and what we need to do as far as the therapies and the homework and all that is concerned that it will benefit him if i'm honest i say look i'll I'll take any communication if he can do half a dozen signs that'll be brilliant i'll be overjoyed if just any little bit more communication than his brother has would be yeah a lovely thing yeah so what was it like earlier this year when you had ezra and you didn't find out beforehand whether Ezra was a boy or a girl, and he was born showing signs of the same genetic mutation. Yeah, well, we honestly we expected it. Um, so yeah. after he had the two anomalies occur on his twenty uh, week scan, it's fairly clear indicator that there are genetic issues. Um, but we declined all the in utero testing because yeah, we thought that's not going to change the management of our pregnancy as they per se. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, I didn't feel like they at the hospital pressured us at all to for that or, you know, or brought up the termination discussion, which Sam did pick up on that. He did say he did feel like they kept asking, are you sure you don't want the testing? So that's an interesting point. But I have mixed feelings. Ezra is just such a joy and a blessing. Um, Mm -hmm. he's smiling now um, and laughing and he's just so beautiful and I look at him sometimes and think oh wow God thought I needed one of these that's pretty awesome yeah Um, but at other times I I can't help and be absolutely frustrated with God and angry with him it's like I feel like we were already struggling God so why did I need another one of these Um, you know one was hard enough um, and he's given us another one so only he knows why (laughs) Yes. Does Sam kind of feel the same way? Just that that mix of feelings? Sam was absolutely thrilled when I said I was pregnant (laughs) and and Ruby too, actually, and Sam would probably go again, quite frankly. (laughs) He'd love some more. I'm like, "Uh, no, that's enough. Being a a lot older, even my my body even um, is not coped as well as it had uh, 15 and 16 years ago, so... Yeah, it's been uh, quite a year. Yes, yes. But preparing for this interview has really given me time to reflect upon this 
because um, in the special needs world, we they talk a lot about grief because there's a lot of grief surrounding having a special needs child and like regular grief that never goes away. So there's a grief of mourning for the loss of that normal child and the grief every time they miss all their milestones or you see their peers achieving their milestones, it, it all comes up again. Mm-hmm. And I think you do learn to cope better as time goes on and appreciate your child for how God made them, but it still doesn't make it easy. Yeah. Mm. This is something that I've always wanted to ask Mm. a parent of a child with a severe disability is do you get anxious for their futures, such as when you and Sam get old or when you even pass away and your children with disabilities are still here? Do you get anxious about thoughts like that? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I I don't think I'd be human if I didn't. But if I'm honest, I try not to think about it all. It's it's just a too hard of, of a thought process to go through. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, well, at the moment particularly, we're so bogged down in just the day-to-day with the two boys at the moment um, and poor Ruby's getting hopefully <laughs> terribly and poor Ruby's getting terribly neglected. But, yeah, it's also being in the vocation that we're in, we're not sure where we're going to be when it comes to that point in our life yeah we don't know where we're going to be living or what government or other supports are going to be available sam and i have had a discussion that we will probably have the boys with us for as long as we can handle it physically because they're our children yes no god has given them to us um so that is my vocation to look after them and sam's vocation to look after them and so that's one thing we have discussed but yeah, as I said, I'd really try not to think about it too much and just trust in God's plan and provision for us that he'll work it out when the time comes. That's yeah. Right. God loves these two boys even more than you do and <laughs> yeah. he's involved. Yeah, mm. And it, I've seen it a few times that people who look after children or people in their care that it keeps them younger and fitter for longer, so... Oh, yeah, well, Let's definitely. With that. <laughs> yeah. um, Sam is very great. He takes Johan for a walk every day. It is something that they started during COVID lockdowns in Victoria and it really helps him. If he does enough physical and intellectual stimulation, he, he sleeps better. We have had nights and it's increased lately as well with the interruptions to our life, but we have had nights where he just doesn't sleep at all and displays sort of almost manic type behaviour. But walking him every day, um, and I'm talking four to six kilometres a day, yeah, really helps him. So, yeah, that's t- certainly Sam is quite fit at the moment. <laughs> yes. So Johan is still a 16-year-old boy and um, needing that energy outlet and needing that exercise. Yeah, absolutely. And it's yeah. a really fine line between doing enough to wear him out and then, yeah, really fine line between doing enough to wear him out but then also keeping in mind his low muscle tone that it is more work for him to do regular activities. But, yeah, he's gradually built up his fitness um, over the years. So, yeah, he's great. He does park run in under 50 minutes. So, Wow. (laughs) Or as our carer says, it's park drag because (laughs) (laughs) Sam actually drags him along. Yeah. Um, this is probably connected, Tony, back to the um, feelings about the diagnosis of say, or just general living with it rather than looking to the future. So there's also there's constant feelings of 
of guilt, of shame, of inadequacy and feeling overwhelmed. Yeah. So guilt, because Johan can't express his feeling to us or tell us what's wrong, we're constantly guessing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's like, what have we done wrong? And what are we doing wrong? It's constant. Shame, if we're honest, what did we do to produce such a child? You know, why us, God? Yeah. Sometimes it's, can we even go out in public if he's in one of those loud noise-making episodes? Um, what What are people going to think of us sort of thing? Inadequacy. I absolutely hate the saying, God only gives special children to special people. Yeah. <laughs> it's apart from the fact that all children are special, I'm not special and I can't provide all that they need all the time. I just can't do it. I'm too worn out. I'm too overwhelmed. Yeah. And being overwhelmed by the task, it, it often seems insurmountable and particularly when he's awake all night and you don't know why. I think a lot of people try and be compassionate and understand um, and say, you're doing a good job. I just want to scream sometimes. I'm not. I, yeah. I don't always do a good job. I'm a terrible, sinful human being and I'm quite selfish. I would rather be asleep than get up at 4am and clean the poo of a fully grown man child. You know, so it's, yeah, it's those feelings as well. Yeah. But processing those feelings is a continual process. And I've learned over the time, it's it's about learning to celebrate even the smallest achievements and loving and appreciating the boys for who they are. Yes. And, and learning to enjoy those little happy times, like when he's laughing his head off in a tickle fight with dad or yeah. when he's happy, making happy noises or shaking his keys on his daily walk or Recognises Lexi and goes in for a hug. Yes. (laughs) I've also sought professional counselling over the years, which has helped mostly by equipping me with strategies of what to do when it does all feel like it's too much. And I must say, though, that some counsellors over the years have said things like, it's understandable that you feel this way. You know, you've got a lot on, which is probably true, but not very helpful if you're looking for actual practical strategies. Yes. So I'm sure every parent feels overwhelmed or stressed at times but what's harder about having a special needs child is then they're no knowing if they're going to grow out of it or even if they're going to leave home one day so we're really stuck with them for life yeah so this is a topic that I love talking about what are your thoughts regarding Johan's faith I talked to Sam about this and he said well how can we say that he doesn't have faith yeah as with infants he's so dependent on other people for everything that we could say that he's totally dependent on God for his salvation Mm -hmm. and his understanding is so limited that he is almost like an innocent baby. And I say almost because there are certainly times when he knows he's done the wrong thing. (laughs) But he does love being in church. He knows when dad's getting dressed. Both boys have been baptised, so we know they're saved. Mm -hmm. Um, But we don't commune him as we're not sure how much he comprehends, but luckily we know his salvation is not dependent on that. Yeah. Yeah, and that's one thing that the Lutheran faith can really give parents of disabled children is that comfort. That's what the scriptures Mm. give us. Yeah, baptise your babies. Yes, Mm. yes. (laughs) Hashtag baptise your babies. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful comfort that the scriptures give us. And what's really beautiful, and I've been thinking about this a little bit, is that even though you and Sam both have more knowledge than Johan about the scriptures and about Jesus. But because you both have faith, your faith, you know, Johan's faith is just as real as yours. Mm. And that because of that faith, not only are you parents and child, but you're also brothers and sister 
in Christ as well, which is really beautiful. Mm. So I've been trying to see my daughters as my sisters in Christ as well as my daughters. Yeah, and that's just a little thought that I've been having about Mm. infant faith and childlike faith. So over in the many years of you raising Johan and your family, and especially in the last couple of months with Ezra being born, how has God comforted and strengthened you in raising your family? Well, God has given me a wonderful husband. He's incredibly patient. I um, have struggled with both alcoholism and depression over the years, which is probably a topic for another episode. But yeah, Sam's just incredibly patient with me. And he's a bit more emotionally switched on, particularly with emotional issues. But God's also given me a beautiful and caring daughter, and she's been a great help, particularly these past few months. Yes. Um, And she's had to put up with a lot over her life. Um, We constantly said to her, hang on a minute, Ruby, you're like, oh, where's your brother? What's your brother doing? So she's just more resilient than she gives herself credit for, I think. We're also blessed with awesome parents who are still young enough and able to help us care for the boys, but we know that won't be forever, obviously, as their age. Yes. And God's provided wonderful educators, carers and support workers, particularly with this last move to Tasmania and the events over the last few months. We've really felt God's provision. Lots of things have fallen into place at the last minute and, yeah, I can feel really feel God's provision through a lot of those things. Mm-hmm. But most importantly, God forgives me for all my failings and sustains me every day. And I'm not a perfect parent by any means. And I need constant assurance of his love and salvation to be able to care for my children. Yeah, that's the hardest part of being a parent is the sin within your own heart. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So God comforts us daily through his word. And um, lately I've been trying to make a bit more of a concerted effort to hashtag memorise hymns. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, when I'm putting Ezra down for his morning nap, I try and sing a couple of them. And this morning I was flicking through the hymnal and I came across 415, which is whatever God ordains is good. And I'll just share a little bit of a couple of those verses from verse 4. Whatever God ordains is good. My life, my light can never intend me harm. Then to his care I give myself forever. For well I know, mid will or woe, some day I shall see clearly that God has loved me dearly. Whatever God ordains is good, though I the cup am drinking, which savours now of bitterness, I take it without shrinking. For after grief, God grants relief, my heart with comfort filling, and all my sorrow stilling. Whatever God ordains is good. This truth remains unshaken. Though sorrow, need, or death be mine, I shall not be forsaken. I fear no harm, for with his arm he shall embrace and shield me. So to my God I yield me. And I thought that was really lovely and comforting and pertinent for today, talking about my boys, because I think the world sees them as broken. The world sees them as something that needs to be fixed Um, The world says, why did you continue with this pregnancy when you knew they're going to have significant disabilities? But we know that whatever God ordains is good. And so God has given us these beautiful boys. And, yeah, it's just such a blessing. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And thank you so much for 
opening up about not only your joys in raising your family, but also some of the deep struggles and some of the intense feelings that you have actually um, experienced as well. Thank you for joining us today, Tara. You're welcome. My pleasure. Yoga is a highly popular practice today, especially among women. But is it simply a relaxing form of exercise, or is there a deeper spiritual meaning behind it? If you have asked these questions before, then please join us in a fortnight when we chat with former yoga instructor and meditation coach Tatiana Overdune. Tatiana will answer some common questions about yoga and give her opinion on whether Christians should participate in this practice. Here She Stands is an Australian podcast for Lutheran women, and we release new episodes every two weeks on a Tuesday. You can find us on all major podcasting platforms as well as YouTube. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. If you would like to contact us directly, our email address is hereshestands.podcast at gmail.com. If you would like to subscribe to our newsletter or check out our blog, please go to our website at hereshestands.online. Until next time, we pray that you will hold fast to God's word and confidently say, here I stand, I can do no other.